Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can take that down. Thank you. I, I want to say a very special thank you. My first night home. That's excellent. Mike Garcia put that video together for us, so thank you, Mike. I want to thank uh, those that helped yesterday, but I want to make a very special thank you to uh, Jeff and Sandy Clark. My wife had a video, which is also known as Jeff, uh, Richard Bainey, uh, assisted in that and uh, welded the things together, put the, put the base, the whole thing. Between those two geniuses, that took place. And I just want you to know, recently we call Richard Archimedes because if you give him a lever, he can move the world. He had a little, little what, what do you call those things, a little, no, I just get steer, what, what do you call it, Richard? Just a little track hole, just a small tractor. Had a guy pulled up with a big crane, he said, oh, you'll never get that up. Richard looked over and said, the haters are my motivators. No, <laughs> But he had, to, he had it engineered to a T, and you just saw that thing up just seamlessly rise up and just had a stop, it had a leveler on there. It was just a beautiful moment, and I'll tell you, it was exciting. Now, Jeff, Jeff shared with me this. He said, I, because he travels in insurance and things, but he, he travels state, state to state, state to city to city, city. He, he said, said we're, we're in a time right now. He said, cities I go to, they're making them remove symbols the cross from public from from private property and such i want you to know the devil is scared scared because the cross for us is not only the death it's the burial and the resurrection it is the message of the church amen amen and the lord jesus said when i be lifted up Speaking of his death, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So church, let me just prophesy to you. Get ready because Jesus has been lifted up and he is drawing all men unto himself. Amen? Come on. Come on. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Lord, we thank you for the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. Thank you. We are seated at the right hand of the Father. Lord, I ask today that you would move in a mighty way as you already have. Lord, at the imagery of the cross, at the imagery, Lord God, of your completed work, let it, Lord, take hold of our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you take your Bibles with me? Go back to 1 Samuel. We covered this a couple of Wednesdays. We took uh, last Wednesday. Tim got up and preached. Oh, my Lord. If you didn't, if you, if you weren't here or you missed it, look up on, you'll find it on our, our, our webpage, on our Facebook. Did a fantastic job. So proud of that man. Let's look in 1 Samuel 17. The title of this morning's message is Persuaded. Persuaded. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. Were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. This is 1 Samuel 17. They encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Eli, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on 
a mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. Verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. It's about nine foot, six inches tall. Some believe nine foot, nine inches tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He had, he, he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, about 200 pounds. He had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, about 25 pounds. And a shield bearer went before him. Now, I want you to stop there just a moment. I've asked some young men to help me today, but when they get up there, just visit among yourselves so just for a moment while I get some things ready, okay? All right? All right. Just, just hold tight. Boys, what are y'all doing in the balcony? Get down here. Sit right over there, please. Sir. No, 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 not you. Yeah. All right. You climb up there and straddle that thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, third step right there. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. You good? Yep. You balance? Hold that on top of your head. We're a little shy, but we'll do. I'm close. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Stay where you're at. Ben, 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 would you help me? Come here. Come here. You're no longer Ben. You're David, okay? All right, put your sleeves in. Put your arms in the sleeves. There you go. Come on, there you go. Every shepherd boy. All right, good job. Stay right there. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot your spear. I mean, your javelin. Hold that. Okay. Your staff. Hold that. I want you to swing this really, really hard. And I want you to release this rock, and I want you to hit it right between the eyes, okay? <laughs> Not really. Not really. Okay? Okay. All right. Good job. Just hold that. Stand right. Right there. Hold the rock in your hand. Oh, no. Left your hand. Dolores, can I hold the rock? Thank you. All right. Thank you. Here you go. Now. Are you good? You balanced? Okay. Missing something. We got David. We got the rock and sling. We're in the valley. There's a mountain on that side, a mountain on that side. This, there's the armies of the Philistines. You boys get ready. You're about to go down. It's, it may not look like it, but, but you just hold on. Yeah, you just put that tongue back in your mouth, boy, because you're, you're about to get it. Okay, Israel, come on. Y'all quit cowering in fear. Get up. Stand up. Like you're, you, got, you, got, you got your weapons on. Get up. Yes, get up. Okay, stand right there. Okay, David, you stay right there. Still missing something. Still missing something. Oh, oh, I want to talk to you today about the one we don't speak of. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the one we don't talk about because there were three persons in the field that day. And see, the enemy, he was so overly confident, he never even drew his sword out because he really felt like, see, he, he's, got his, he's got his armor on his legs. I didn't have any, I'm sorry. He's got, his, he's got his javelin, his spear, he's got his sword, he's got his breastplate, he's got his helmet, but he had one other, one other piece of equipment. Was out there in the field with David and Goliath. Now, the enemy believes that he has more power than you. Maybe he doesn't believe. Maybe he wants to convince you that you don't have the power he does. Maybe he's really got all this armor on because he's ultimately scared. You're going to discover how powerful the one is living on the inside of you. Goliath, you okay? I know it's work a calf workout, but anyway, you'll... We see, the, the enemy stood out there, and he thought, you know, I've got this thing in the bag. Look at them. There's a whole nation cowering in fear. I bark my threats, and they go running. I tell them what their children are, and they believe it, and they don't do anything about it. I, I declare to them what's going to be in the textbooks. I declare to them what their images are. I put it on the entertainment channel and I just pump it into them and they believe they have nothing that they can do about it. What was Goliath shielded with? Come, shield bear. 
turn it where turn it where they can see it over here. Somebody read that for me. Some, go this way. I know I should have put that in Spanish as well, but I didn't know. I didn't do the translation. Okay, back up just a little bit. Are you good? All right. Poke your head out. Now, you may think that this shield is an over-exaggeration of the armor. Don't knock him off. But it's not. See, we have like the Captain America shields. Those are parade shields. In ancient warfare, they would march through the streets. That was their... That was their parade shield, just to show them how, you know, as the soldiers lined up, how wonderful they looked. But when they went into battle, the shield that they would carry would be as tall as the soldier. It would be bound with leather. It would be soaked in water to quench any fiery arrows that might come at them. So they went to battle, they would use... There's nowhere he could hit him around his body. So David just decided to go for the head. Come on, can you see it now? Circumstance, you guys did a great job. Come on, give them, give them. David, you can be seated. All right, you guys, you guys did good. You guys did good. You guys are going to get an Oscar and an Emmy and all that other kind of stuff that they have. We're going to put that right there, okay? As the shield... Even with this, hey, don't take all my staff. Thank you. David just went out with this, with what he knew would work. Saul tried to put his armor on him, but we see two verses there that places the armor bearer on the field. We see there in verse 7, and then we see there in verse 41. We see that the armor bearer is there and he's holding the shield. Now, when we look at the word of God and we look at a situation like this, where there's a giant in the valley, anybody ever found themselves in a valley? Anybody ever found themselves in a place of, of, of low living where, where your, your eyes are, are focused on the problem? All you can think about is the issues that are surrounding you. And all you can hear are these awful, no good, persuasive argument of the enemy called circumstance. See, he's got this awful, natural thing that he uses against us, and that's called facts. That in the physical, when you take... Ben, no discredit to you. You're going to grow up and be a mighty warrior of God. But if you take Ben and put him up against nine foot six, it looks like a, an uneven match, does it not? So it looks like in the natural we're facing an uneven match. You've got a one who is giving a death challenge, and the reason he's given the death challenge is because he's had the challenge before, and he's never lost a battle. He hasn't lost. Here is Goliath, and he's out here and just saying, look, let's, let's, don't, let's don't go to war. There's no sense in everybody dying. Just give me one of your soldiers as a, as a sacrifice. I'll take him out, and the rest of you can serve us. That's what he was saying in his heart. He said, but if you've got a champion that can come out here and defeat me, which he believed in his heart wouldn't happen, 
Because he looked at Saul and all of Saul's army and they're cowering in fear because they believed what? The circumstance. They were persuaded by the circumstance that the giant was bigger than them. And that what Goliath, whose name means soothsayer, what Goliath was there as a liar giving his fortune telling, what telling all of Israel how they would be defeated, he was declaring to them, you, will, you are no match for me this day. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. Now, Josiah was a, was, was, he was just an actor. He's not the physical Goliath, okay? But what he's saying is I'm uglier. Come on. Because the Bible says that, that, that David was a, he, he, he was ruddy and handsome, he, which means he was a, he was a good-looking redhead. Now, he was out there, and what Goliath was doing was challenging David by his gods. And see, Goliath was used to winning. Why? Because he had on his side what he believed to be stronger than any other god that he faced. He has circumstance. I've got circumstance on my side. I can say to their bodies, you're broken, and now they believe. I can say to them, you have failed, and you'll never, you'll never be able to resurrect again, and I will succeed. I'm wearing a helmet of bronze, which is judgment. I'm wearing a coat of bronze, which is judgment. I'm carrying my armor, which is made of bronze, all of judgment, judgment, judgment. I'm going to bring it before you. I'm going to judge you. And your heart is going to be crushed because I have on my side, it's a shield that keeps you away from me. And that is circumstance. I got circumstance. I'm going to take you down with my circumstance and there's David getting ready to go out to battle and you can read down and discover and even in verse 41 you'll see that the shield bearer was there but you'll also see as you look down in the word of God that whenever Goliath came and decided that he was going to bring his persuasive tactics and challenge the covenant God of Israel because he was an uncircumcised Philistine and he served many gods, a panoply of gods that he, that he worshipped. The leading god was Dagon, but he worshipped Dagon. Oh, he didn't, he didn't, he was going to find out generations ahead or a few years ahead. You put the Ark of the Covenant of the promised God of Israel in the same room with Dagon. Dagon's got no chance. He'll be beheaded just like King David was going to behead him that day. In the heart of Israel. And it achieved in a nation. With the king and his army sitting out there. But there was one young man who they tried to clothe in bronze armor, and he said, no, I, I can't go out to battle like that. But I'll tell you what I will do. I will go out there with what I know. And what I know is that uncovenanted big mouth sitting in that valley is no match for the God that I serve. 
that voice that is coming out of that valley right now in that low place is not of God. That's not the covenant I'm under. It's not a covenant of justice. It's not a covenant of, of, of righteousness. It's not a covenant. God doesn't speak to me that way. God doesn't make that declaration over me that way. I'm not walking in judgment. So he takes it off. He stands out in the valley. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. You come to me with your words declaring your, your, the circumstance. You're bigger, you're badder, you're meaner, you're uglier, you've got more experience. None of that sways me because I'm not persuaded by what I see. See, folks, sin is defined, harmatia. It literally means that it is, comes from the idea of not only missing the mark, but a forfeiture of one's image, their rights, and what belongs to them. Harmatia also means it is self-empowering. Self-empowering. In other words, every other soldier cowering in fear back there were believing that their source of strength came from themselves. And so they were persuaded by the circumstance that they could not overcome, and thus they did not overcome. The Bible says that whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is a forfeiture of who you are, what belongs to you, and what rights that you have to operate in a covenant relationship with the living God. But what is faith? What is faith? The simplest definition of faith is this. It's in-worked persuasion. In-wrought persuasion. It is a persuasion that there is someone greater and mightier than I am living on the inside of me that has greater authority than anything that I face that sees beyond the circumstance and goes to the root of the problem, goes to the very core. The word faith is pistis. It means literally. It is an empowering. It is something that does not come from you and I. It is a gift that God bestows in the heart of those that will pursue, those that will go after. It's not just an overwhelming sense of confidence. It's a, it's a knowing who God is. It's a knowing what he will do. It's a knowing deep down in the very core of who you are as a child of God that we're not sourcing this thing, that it's bigger than all of us, that it's a supernatural impartation of a living God. It's inward persuasion. That's what faith is, defined in its core. Inward persuasion, divine persuasion. Well, Goliath, you sure got a serious argument on your side. You seem rather persuasive. 
and all of your rhetoric and your dogma and your bombastedness. You're, you're standing out there and you've done this for 40 days. This is the 80th time we've heard your speech. Can somebody take the broken record off? Somebody unstick the rewind button. Oh, David said, is anybody going to do anything about this? Wait, what's the reward? You become a non-profit. You pay no more taxes. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Now the Bible tells us that, that David did not go solicit an audience from Saul. He was just flabbergasted. But nobody was doing anything about it. Somebody get up and do something. Somebody get up and do something. Come on, somebody get up and do something. Have you guys never been in the field watching your father's sheep? Have you never faced a battle? Has God ever failed you? We, we serve the Jehovah Sabaoth. We serve the God of the armies. Why isn't anybody doing anything but sitting by and drinking all this Kool-Aid? Somebody needs to get up. Saul, I got a problem. You know that little boy that plays the harp for you? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's talking it up. <laughs> he just won't shut up. Go get him and bring him in here. Don't worry, King. I'm going to take care of this guy for you. It is no problem at all. In fact, I'm going to take him down. What makes you think, David, you've got any authority or any ability or any power? Well, here's the thing. You're looking at the circumstance. I'm persuaded by someone else, and he, he showed me that, that there is something greater than the circumstance. There is, there, in, in fact, he's not, gonna, he's not gonna send me out in that valley by myself. In fact, I'm not going by myself, but I, I've, been in the, I've been in the wilderness and I've been in the field. And let me tell you, something just rises up on the inside of me. I think it was a day. I don't want to talk about this right now, Saul, but there was a day that Samuel came over and he poured some oil on my head and they called me out of the field. And it's something, and it was the anointing and that anointing just gets all over me. Anything that threatens the flock, I've just got to kill it. I get the spirit of Keith Cooper calling me. I just got to kill something. Keith has said that to me a time or two. I said, you've fallen on your head too many times, my brother. But see, anything that threatened the flock, David said, it's got to be eliminated. Let me tell you, children of the living God, not the dead God, not the Dagon fish God, not the God that's been toppled so many times and his head is rolling around that they can't even walk over the threshold anymore of the temple because there has been a destruction of the pagan temple because the Lord said, you're not half fish and you're not half man. That's not who you are. And you put God's presence anywhere. There is a false image and God will knock it down. It doesn't matter if it's in the White House or the church house. If the image doesn't align with who you are in Christ, God will topple it. And I say, Holy Spirit, come because we want truth. And we want the truth of who we are in you and what we're meant to do today in this hour, in this moment, in this time of history. And folks, it is too late an hour to be listening to the persuasion of circumstance. It's too late of an hour to be listening 
to the enemy's voice. My God, let the gift of faith begin to operate in the house of the Lord again. Let those pursue the Father with all of your heart and discover who you are in Christ and that you are the very gate of heaven. If we are Bethel, the house of God, then hear me. You are the gate of heaven. Jesus is the ladder, and all of the angels ascended and descended upon the ladder. And he told one of his disciples, her would-be disciple, he said, Oh, you're impressed with this? Wait, you're going to see greater things. You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You're going to discover there is a connection between heaven and earth, and I'm it, Jesus Christ. And now you will become the habitation of my spirit, and you will open the door and the glory of God will pour out and the river will flow and it will disrupt the circumstances all around you. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Let thy kingdom come, Lord, in us and through us. I got this beastly thing called circumstance. Just peek your nappy head out of some measure of that shield and I'll take it off. Just, just peek. Just give me a little glimpse. It doesn't take much because I've got, I've got better than a red dot scope. I've got better than a, I've got a better than a laser beam. I've got something called the word of the living God. And if all I need is just a little, just give me a little sliver. Just open your big ugly. Let me have that sword that you forgot to. been wondering what we've been doing in life class. I just love doing that every time, don't you? There's something rewarding about cutting the head off of a giant. Those kids had more fun with those swords. <laughs> when I give them to my granddaughters, I have less fun because they hit me from the wrong end of that. <laughs> I was trying to make it soft, you know, but, you know, they, like, throw it at them. I had Nora sitting in my lap the other day, and she had the seashell. She wanted to put it on me as a hat. She stuck it down, and then she ground it down into my head. I was like, oh, baby, that hurts. There wasn't any, oh, I'm so sorry, Pops. There was this laughter that rose up out of her. <laughs> I said, you little turkey, you better run. She's four. I don't know what she's going to be when she's 40. But see, all you need is to know the source. See, David went and drew, and some of this is review for those who have been here on Wednesday. They were in the Valley of Eli. The Valley of Eli is a horrible place to camp especially when you're going to go out to do battle. The Valley of Eli means in the Hitchcock Bible Dictionary, it means curse. I want you to know, folks, you are not cursed if you're a child of God. 
you are not under a curse if you're a child of God. All those generational things that the enemy tries to put back on you, they stop at the cross. They stop at the cross. Now, you may need the understanding that those curses are broken, but they are broken. They're not part of your, it, they might have been a part of your past, uh, your history, your, 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 your history and heritage, uh, but they are not a part of your daily habits because they have been broken at the cross, uh, at the blood of Jesus Christ. But see, the, in the valley of Eli was also the brook of Eli. And the brook of Eli, it flowed down to the city of Gath where Goliath lived. And so when David went and he picked up the five stones, it's my belief personally that God put in there for you and I to understand that when we take out the enemy, we take him out at his source. And all the cursing lies that flowed back to the wine press called Gath, where the, where the young Goliath was reared and where he grew up, this man whose name means soothsayer or liar, let's go back to the source. And let's take the rocks from the source and let's take it to the head and let's stop the words that are coming at us. See, circumstance will always persuade you that you're not enough, the enemy's bigger, the sin is too great, the regret is too much, you can never do it, never do it, never do it, never do it, never do it. And so the source of fear that you're struggling with is not of God. It is sourced from your belief that the circumstance is greater than you, that you have to fuel every bit of your righteousness, of the mercy and the good that comes to your life. That is the source of fear. But Paul said, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. I just, I am persuaded, I've got a little bit of experience, and I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor principality, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come can ever separate me from the love of God. See, what does the enemy want to do? Where does he lie to you? It's the separation of God's care for you. It's the separation of God's love for you. It is sourced in a place where the enemy wants you to stay focused, uh, that you're cursed, uh, and that you're not strong enough, uh, and you'll never get out of it, uh, and it'll always be too much for you, and greater is he that is out there than he that is in you, uh, because you're sourcing this thing, but God is saying to you, no, no, I'm persuaded that nothing can ever separate me from the love of God. Nothing. If I lose loved ones, God still loves me. If I lose my health, God still loves me. If I lose my life, my God still loves me. The Lord told the prophet Jeremiah, just like he's telling you, do not say, do not say, I'm too inept. I'm too young. I'm too ill-equipped. I'm too unknowledgeable. I'm too this. I'm too that. He says, stop saying that. The Lord's telling somebody in this house today, you want victory? You've been longing for victory? It's right there in your lips. It is formulated by your tongue. But you can stop. You ever notice the armor of God? We've been studying the armor of God. If you didn't know what that sword was, that's for life class. For kids, children's life class. 
But you notice that all the armor has pertains to words? Well, it's obvious, you see, that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we get that part. But the helmet of salvation, you put that on your head. Where do words formulate? In your mind? Where does the enemy want to question? He wants to question you about your salvation and the completeness of the work of Christ. The breastplate of righteousness. Where does the argument generally come in to, to pierce your heart about your right standing before God? It is in the form of words. What are you protecting yourself against? The words of the enemy. What is the shield of faith as you take it and you quench the fiery darts of the devil? What are you doing? You're quenching the lies. You're stopping the words that are coming at you. What about the, the, the boots of, of the gospel of peace? When you walk somewhere, you can't share the gospel unless you open your mouth. You can't spare the good news. Oh, I've heard the saying, when you've done all that you can do to spread the gospel, then go tell, how's that saying go? I can't even call it out. I don't know. I've so messed that up. It's like a, everywhere you go, preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. If it's necessary, good God Almighty, get with it, church. You can't express the thoughts of God without God say, not saying something. I love it. Deborah Frost told me one day, she said, we'll do everything and anything except preach the word, the gospel, the good news. But see, the words, where you go, wherever you go, you're carrying words of the gospel, the covenant with you. Everywhere you go, the enemy shoots his fiery darts. You're blocking those words with the, with, as the kids called it this morning, mean words. We block those mean words with the shield of faith. In the belt of truth, what's the opposite of truth? Lies. Where do you holster your sword? You better holster it in truth, not in an isogesic where you put in there what you want it to say. No, you need to do it from an exogesic where you say, God, I'm going to take the word for what it says, and I'm going to believe truth, and I'm going to walk in the truth of God's word. Lord, I want you to reconcile me to you. I don't want you reconciling to me. Amen. Oh, here's David. Here's David. Just peek your head out there. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. He's running. He's not walking. He's not crawling. He's not of those who shrink back. He's running. The Lord, and you need to go face the giant. No, that voice is not of God, and so I'm not going to put up with it. I'm going to get up and go after it. In fact, it's threatening not just me. See, those words you're listening to are not just threatening you. I want my kids to be saved. I want my grandkids to be saved. I want them to know you. I want them to dwarf everything I've ever done. And so the Lord brought me on this journey to take me out of self-sourcing called sin and put me into a place where I can start to trust and be persuaded by this in-work of, of persuasion to say, look, you don't think you can preach? I'll put you up there. I'll just do the preaching through you. I'll give you the words to speak. Just get up there. Just, just step into partnership with me. And when we do this, we'll do it together. We won't do it by ourselves. We'll do it together. 
And whenever there's glory to be had, it'll be my glory. And you will be, you will bring glory to me by what you do. And so if you'll just keep doing what I ask you to do, taking one step and put it in front of the other, and another, and another, and another, you'll look up and your kids will be worshiping God. And your grandkids will be raised in a godly home. Oh, let me have a vision of someone who understands this. Now, this wouldn't have a lot of meaning to you if you didn't understand where I came from. From a broken home and a suicide father and a, and a mentally ill mother and abusive stepfather. But I'm saying to you, the word of God and the persuasion of faith, the inwrought persuasion of God's word is greater than anything that you face today. And there's been a lot of voices in my own personal life after salvation, after being filled with the Spirit, after being called into the ministry. There's been a lot of voices that I've had to... ...when the house is on fire, they run from the house. We run into the house. We're not of those that, that shrink back. We're the ones that stand up and press forward. So David, with his sling and rock and hand, reaches for the very from the creek or the brook that sourced the livelihood and the place of this giant and he gets to sling it, swinging that thing and runs him down. I don't know if Goliath was still just standing there, who knows? What's this boy doing? What is he doing? What does he think he can do against me? Until the thud hit his head and the rock sunk into his skull. The Bible says it killed him. And then he dropped on his face, and David ran up, took the sword, the weapon that he was intended to use against him, and he cut off his head. Now, historians tell us this. I don't have the sources. I've heard this. But the Bible tells us that David took Goliath's head to Jerusalem. But historians say that he buried that head on Golgotha's hill. Golgotha means the place of the skull. If you don't know where Golgotha is, it's where the cross was erected. We know it's in Jerusalem, but man, alive, what a thought. See, why did he take his head off? Well, Goliath didn't need it anymore. I'm going to take this because you have no need of it. I believe he took the head. Just like the Lord crushed the head of the enemy 2,000 years ago. Gave him an eternal headache. A migraine beyond migraines. But see, David took the head off to sh stop the source of that uncovenanted voice that was coming against him and against Israel. Your victory is in this house right now. Your victory is in this hour right now. It's time for you to listen to what the Lord spoke to the prophet. Do not say.
It's time for you to stop repeating the voice of your past and cut it off. Child of God, you are no longer a victim of the childhood abuse. You're no longer a victim. See, the, the giant said, look, I'm going to feed you to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. The fowls of the air spiritually mean the demonic forces that are around. I'm going to feed you to the demonic forces that are around and the wild beasts. I'm going to feed you to the nature, the wild nature. But David said, your threats, have not, they're not persuading me because I've got something else going on on the inside of me. And though I can see you, you can't see what's in here, but you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it all the way down to your dubby little toes. You're going to understand. Understand, you big ugly man, you're going down today. By the word of God. By the word of God. So I'm sorry, those whom, whom we don't speak of. How often do we not speak of the circumstance? We point fingers of blame at God. We let the devil off scot-free. And we listen to circumstance. Do not say that you are defeated. Stand, if you will. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Persuasion. Persuasion. To know a proof of argument by convincing argument. See, David went and he talked to Saul, and Saul said, how can I send you out there? I'm persuaded, I'm persuaded that God can use me to destroy the enemy. How are you persuaded? Because there was a time I was in the field and there was a lion and I clocked him with that rock and I went and grabbed his beard and I took his head off. And then there was a bear and I, he, I, I nailed him with that rock and I went and took his head off. And, and now this, this, this one right here, he's nothing compared to a lion and he's nothing compared to a bear. And oh, he's, he's got the skill set. Let me tell you, he is not stronger, mightier. He cannot outreason, outmaneuver the omniscient one, the all-knowing one who lives on the inside of me. If you'll just give me a chance, I'll let the anointing take his head off. So as the worship team makes their way up, the Bible says that the Israelite army chased, ran the enemy 40 miles from that location. Ran them all the way to Ekron. And when they got back, they went and plundered their tents. Because the enemy didn't have time to break camp. He just had to run. He just had to run. And he ran and he left all his stuff behind. Oh, man. I'm going to miss that bag of gold. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that knapsack. Oh, my mama weaved that fleece for me. I, I should have went after it. Son, you're not going to need it because we're going to chase you clear out of the country. We're going to move you out of the territory. I'm telling you, church, I think it's time and high time that we stop cuddling up to culture and to the voices of the past declaring who we are and start going to the Word of God and let the Lord persuade us as who we truly are. There's an exchange going to take place in this altar today. The power of God is going to touch you. 
Faith is going to be released to you. And you're going to know that you know that you know you belong to him. Circumstance is going to be overtaken by the word of God coming forth from your heart, formulated by your tongue, spoken through your lips. God is going to begin to blow in the midst of your soul. Wind is going to begin to fill your lungs. Your voice box is going to articulate the word of God. You are going free today. If this message is for you, and you're tired of circumstance declaring to you, and the Spirit of the Lord has persuaded you that it's time to take the devil's head off and stop listening, then I invite you right now to step down to this altar and say, God, I accept freedom. Come on, come on, come on. Just come, come. You're in this house right now. Come. No more circumstance. No more circumstance. Merciful God. Mighty God. Wonderful Savior. Lord, you are so faithful. Oh, no sin.